Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Darren Elias, four-time World Poker Tour champion. That is a record. I think 13 final tables. Leads the, the He's got all these records. He does a lot of stuff. We're going to talk about poker and more. Darren, how's it going? Good, man. How you doing? Happy to be here. Yeah, dude. I'm, well, I'm very happy you're back because we, we we had a false uh, false stream the last time. You're a good sport to give us a, another chunk of your time, so appreciate that. We are live. It looks like it is working on YouTube. So welcome in everyone. And uh, Darren, those that play poker know you. You know how can you not? Uh, World Poker Tour, one of the prestigious tours. You do have the all time title record, which is crazy. We're the same age. You're 32, a little younger than me. It's it's pretty amazing feat. Uh, talk to us a little about how you got started and give people background on poker. I know you're. you're your dad you said traveled around dad was a, a football coach you moved a bunch you were kind of bouncing around and, and let us get a little insight into how this kind of came about how you started playing cards and, and the whole journey to start sure. yeah i started playing cards with my family pretty young we play um not necessarily poker but we played other games we played bridge we played hearts we played spades growing up and um my father yeah he, he coached college football so we moved around a lot we were at uh we we're in tennessee louisiana pennsylvania virginia all these places. So I was kind of a, I was a bit of a loner as a child, kind of kept to myself. And, um, eventually when I was like 12 or 13, I started playing, um, hearts and spades on like Yahoo. So I would play online cards. It wasn't poker, but I'd, I'd be playing these, um, these different card games online, but pretty competitively. I think in hearts, I got up to number one in the world. And, um, when I was 16 and, and moneymaker won the main event, poker kind of became something we started to play. We started to play Texas Hold'em then. And uh, I'd play with my high school buddies, $5 games. Um, and I guess played a little bit online in high school, super small stakes. And then um, when I got to college, I started playing a little bigger, playing online tournaments, um, winning real money. And then it started to get a little more serious. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking here at your – just going to kind of we scroll through here again, the hen and mob stuff. So you were – you got your start in, let's look at basically again, the same January, 2008, you, you were playing poker for a bit then. So for years actually online. So this was your first, yeah. first live cash, first live trip going to Australia. Pretty cool. Nothing too crazy. You get a, you make a score, but that had to be fun, right? Traveling the world, going across, playing some poker tournaments. And, and, and at this time, I think you were saying your, your parents were already, they had understood that you had some money, you were making money in, in poker and they were let, they were supportive and, and weren't really giving you a hard time uh, on that. But um, was it, was there a little resistance at first? Yeah, I would say where you're pointing at now, January 08, I would say they probably weren't cool with me playing poker then um, on my, when I first started playing live that tournament, actually, I think it was the first semester of uh, the first couple of weeks of the semester in college. And I went to Australia and played poker for two weeks and uh, they weren't real happy about that. And, and I got, some kind of ridiculous GPA. I got like a 0. 0.8 that semester or something. But, so so why, there, that, why that tournament? Why like, you know, cause I actually had a similar thing where in, I remember I went to Borgata it's middle of school for a weekend. I played in 2007 when I was 21, I went up for a weekend, but you know, Australia is like, that's an aggressive trip. How did you say, Hey, I'm going to Australia during college to go play. Like what made you want to go mean, there? I mean, I didn't really ask for permission from them, but I was playing online and I would just play whatever satellites were running. Okay. Like it didn't really matter where they were going, London, Monte Carlo, Australia. I think back then that was a full tilt event. And uh, I remember that was pretty fun. I, it was on like the full tilt jet, like Phil Ivy sitting in the, in the like uh, gate area waiting. And I was 19. So that, that was pretty exciting back then. Um, didn't have a ton of success at first when I was playing live, but I would bring my college buddies to these different countries. We would have a good time and explore the city. 
Um, but I, I definitely struggled a little bit live at first and it took some time for my parents to come around because I didn't have too much proof yet besides online that this was going to be a viable career. And you were playing water polo in college. You were on scholarship or on a, what division, what you were in, what, like talk to me about that. Was that, it was a, it was a team. You were playing on a team in college. Yeah. I went to university of Redlands, which was D three in uh water polo and swimming. So they didn't have technically scholarships money. I got kind of like academic money. Yeah, same, but you were playing up at the college level and doing it. So it was competitive. Was it, was there times where you were, I mean, cause swimming is generally pretty early, right? You guys have like early workouts. It's crazy. So like, were you playing all night sometimes? It must've been, must've been kind of, kind of a, a wild ride to do both. Yeah. I think, um, it eventually like caught up with me when I was up, up all night playing online tournaments and I'd have morning practice at 5am for swimming and uh sophomore year. I kind of, I kind of just quit. And I said, poker kind of took over. Um, so I played two years of water polo, I think one and a half of swimming. And um, yeah, it, it was, it was pretty fun. It was competitive. I kind of hit my ceiling in water polo in college, like um, in water polo, all the teams play each other. So we're D three, but we're playing like Stanford, UCLA, USC. We're playing all the best teams. And, um, it's kind of a size thing where I'm playing against these guys that were like six, 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 eight. Like I can't do anything in the water and I'm just, I'm just done. So I kind of hung it up after uh, two years of my career. It sounds very similar. I, I, same thing, soccer. I went, I think I hit my ceiling. It was fun. Played in college some and just kind of exactly found my love for poker. And I can definitely relate on that. So looking through forward here, then 2010, you know, 2009, you don't have a bunch of, you only played or have one cash really. So you must not have been playing too much live, mostly online. Then you have a 195 K score. And that looks like the very tail end. I mean, I know the, the summer schedule, right? So this is end of July, like basically after the main event, you go and sort of leaving i mean i was that a pivotal moment for you to hit that that massive score live because that's sort of the end of the summer you know when i would guess you'd leave vegas and and what was that like getting that that big of a yeah. influx that was sort of like a uh, they call it like the summer saver things like at the end of the summer you because i'm obviously stuck a lot of money at that point playing a full series but back yeah. then i would play um i play all the 1500s all the 1ks back then i played a ton of events and um to be able to that was probably my biggest live score at the time um, I remember a pretty brutal heads up match where I was playing heads up for a lot, a lot of money and um, probably had a big piece of myself. So that, I remember I remember losing that match. Um, but still, that was great to uh, put up a good score, get some confidence in the live arena, because I, I was having a tough time at first adapting for online to live and didn't have great success at first. Yeah, man. For sure. And that, so you get a nice score there. You kind of, I see another second. You're now you're playing 25 K's all of a sudden in 2011, kind of dabbling up here. Uh, you know, we're, we're inching our way towards uh, Mr. WPT because you're, you still haven't had a, a live major win. It's 2011. We're still young in your career. And now you got Borgata, another good score. You get a 230. You have, Good, good trajectory, you know, consistent. But then we, we fast forward in 2014, um, kind of out of nowhere. It looks like you, you hadn't had a six-figure score for a little while, at least live, probably playing a lot online. And then, boom, you get uh, a $843,000 score in September 2014 in Borgata. What, what was that like? I mean, was this – were you kind of heating already on, on the uh, online? Was everything just clicking or was this like a monumental did – this, did this break it open for you? I mean, that was big. I think 2014 at that point, I probably wasn't playing a ton online. Like after Black Friday, I didn't, I played a little bit in 2011, 2012, but 2014, I was mostly live player. I played a lot of live cash, Um, but to win in Borgata there, um, that was huge. I think that was like my third, probably third WPT final table. And um, nobody wants to be the guy that like makes the final table a lot, but never wins. It's like, you can get a monkey off your back and win, um, win the title, win the trophy, like, 
home home casino. I had some family there, so that was like that was pretty special. Yeah, that's like that does seem like it's one of those storybook things where it's you, you know all the times you travel you're in Australia or what Vegas or whatnot to actually do it in your backyard and have everyone there. That's got to be amazing and, and a big one too. I mean, at WPTs get good prize pools, but this is definitely one of the on each each year. You know, this is going to be one of the bigger payouts, huge event too, right? What must be like. 1200 plus entries so yeah i think about 1200 and um back then the the payouts were a lot more top heavy so i mean you get 850 nowadays i think it's like 600 or something where um i guess i, I wanted at the right time uh payout wise yeah so that's huge so then you know tell me tell me some of the adjustments because i think this is one of the things i find the most fascinating with guys like yourself that just seem to have such great table presence and live results and just you know it's like one of you there's one of those guys you look up in in the wpt updates or world series and you're like oh yeah there's three tables left and darren's there two tables left and you know you have the record final tables as well what is some kind of adjustments you made for live and what do you think separates without giving necessarily your secrets what do you think you do you, you sort of pride yourself on or that maybe you see that you have an edge on uh, mentally or or just in terms we talked a little before the podcast when we got cut off the last time about preparation you know you're you're not a volume guy you like you'll take breaks when you're hot you'll press um you've mentioned that in some of your articles i've, I've read uh that, that's a big thing for you as, as well as um you know yeah you size up a couple events and you play those you're not there at a go stop play just every day at the world series you're not playing one case 1500 you're in there playing the ones you want to play you're giving your best you're showing up on time um, talk to us a little bit about that. And did you have a shift in some preparation kind of, uh, to this point or, or what, what clicked for you? Um, I think I kind of like, um, when I first started playing live, I had this like, fuck everybody mentality. I put my headphones on, I play my game. I wouldn't be like adapting too much to what the table was giving me. Um, and I kind of be butting my head against the wall, playing a little too aggressively too. I was used to playing a lot of tables online. This was back in 2010. I was, ultra aggressive probably to a fault and um i guess as i played more live i kind of like opened myself up to more information like take the headphones off see what these people are about be observant watch what they play um watch what they're trying to do with the tables um i think now i have a i'm probably one of the strongest at like understanding how um recreational players think the psychology like what even if a guy's not a great player like what he's trying to achieve at the table, what kind of strategy is he playing, how to defeat that strategy, um, identifying how certain people are playing. And um, my preparation, I'm, most of my preparation is just being rested and being ready to play. I'm not a huge solver guy. I do some some work with uh, ranges and programs, looking at some things just to stay sharp, but I'm not putting in um, hours and hours of PO solver like some of these guys in the, in the high rollers. Um, but yeah, you, you said on time and low volume is kind of, I play about 50 tournaments a year. I try to show up on time, be at my best every time where I, I never want to be one of those guys that, um, doesn't bring their a game. They're like, Oh, I played with Darren, but he, he didn't play very well today. He wasn't, he didn't have it. Like I never want to be one of those guys. And I, I, I pride myself on bringing my best when I do play. Right. And I mean, I think that's also in terms of confidence and just having that sort of image and, and that it goes a long way. You know, it's like you want to be that guy when you show up at a world poker tour and guys are at the table like, damn, you know, this is not who I want to see that that goes. It does help. I'm sure the confidence you feel that like you are kind of you're Mr. WPT. And that's a that's a good thing to be. So um, it does help. And I and we, as we look at your hen and mob, it didn't take long. It's pretty sick, too, to then, you know, obviously, like, well, we can click here on the field size just to get an exact um, number, I think so for the Borgata 3300. Yeah, it was uh 1226, which is just insane. Um, mm-hmm. four million prize pool. And then the you you decide you go, I guess it was at the very next tournament you 
played or at least the next cash you had was a win in the the Caribbean, but a lesser field in terms of entrance, but still nice to go. The win-win is pretty crazy uh, in any format, any tournament. How, uh, how, how, talk to me about that. Did you literally not play a tournament until that or had you played? I, I, would, I would guess that's the next tournament I played. I don't remember playing in between there, but um, that's just a matter of like when things are clicking and you're running hot, like sometimes you sit down and you feel like, you have a good shot of winning the tournament, even when it starts, um, especially with these smaller field things nowadays. When you're playing well and running well, it's just confidence and momentum. And, um, yeah, you, you need something terrible has to happen. Otherwise, you feel like you're going to make the final table or you're going to win the tournament. And uh, I had that going at that point for sure. Yeah, it's a, that's a, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's got to be rare. I mean, it just almost never happens. Someone to go back to back tournament titles in, in a, a major uh, series. So, yeah, so all of a sudden you win two WPTs out of nowhere. You know, now you're getting, you have other scores. Third, you uh, t- talk to me about the WSOP versus the WPT. So, you, it's not like, you know, it's again one of those things, tournaments, variants, people maybe don't understand. You could play the rest of your life in the WSOP, a lot of events, and never win, and you could play whatever and do better in the WPT. WPT and have two more titles. What is a, uh, how does that speak to you think your game or does it, is it just variance? The WSOP give us a, give us an understanding on why the stru- maybe the structures are different or why you prefer per se WPTs, or if you think there's just, you know, how that kind of looks and why maybe you've done better in WPTs or how do the, how do the structures differ? Um, I think the structures are a little shallower in the world series, especially for the smaller events. Like when I was playing those 1500s and those one Ks, um, if you don't get something going quick, you're going to be short and kind of out of there. Where the where WPT, you get you start with 200 blinds, super slow structure. Most of the time, you're through day one um, without being under too much pressure. Where World Series events are, you kind of have to get lucky. And then even deep in the smaller events, um, it gets pretty shallow deep, which means you're going to have to win some preflop all ins. Um, which the WPT, some of these ones I've won, I haven't I haven't had less than 100 blinds the whole tournament. Where like you can just kind of like cruise and uh make the final table win the tournament um that doesn't happen too much in the world series in my experience maybe in some of the bigger events if the main event or something like that so i i haven't done well i mean some of it is variance where like i'll get um a huge flip for all the chips 15 left in the world series i lose in the wpt i get kings versus aces with 20 people left and i went i hit a king and i win and i win the tournament um like those are things that have happened and it's just i i tend to run better in the wpt spots than the world series spots Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, it makes sense. Again, it's of course variants. You're very used to this in tournaments and understand it. Some people, it might look uh, surprising how, how the differences are, but of course that, that makes sense too. deeper structure. You're also playing, you know, you're going to a WPT and that's your thing, right? You're there for one event. It's great structure. Mm-hmm. Whereas the world series, you're waking up and you're, you're fire a lot of these 1500 3k's and stuff. They're just, uh, as you said, there's, you have to get pretty lucky. And, and, and also field size, I guess, are a lot bigger in those too. I mean, you're talking two, 3,000 in some of the, yeah. these events versus. As I've gotten older too, I've, I've had a harder time with the World Series schedule, like being out in Vegas for two months or something. Even now I break it up into into two trips. But like having uh, having a family, having a child now, like I can't be out in Vegas for three weeks. And even if I am, I'm, I'm not enjoying it by the end of it. You know, I want to I be home. I can relate to that. You're uh, you are a, a father of uh, explain that. How has that been being you have a daughter, correct? Yeah, I have a daughter. She's almost two and a half. Yeah, it's it's uh, man. It's funny. I'm, I'm the parenthood is, is definitely different. How has that affected your poker gameplay? Like in terms of volume and traveling, how do they do you generally like to do they come or it depends on the trip or are you I, I think you've mentioned usually you try to go and you just make it like, you know, you're going to play poker because that's you're their focus and and not take that yeah. out of routine. I usually 
I usually travel by myself. Um, I had to come to to the Bahamas, that Bahamar event um, last year, and that was one of the first times I brought the family with me. Um, brought my wife, her her mother, uh, my daughter, and I, I do find it's a little bit of a distraction having them there. Like you're, even when you're playing, you're thinking like, oh, what are they doing? We having dinner? Like like hang out with them. Um, so I kind of like to keep it separate. Where like I'm trapped if I'm if I'm at a poker stop, I'm there for poker. That's the only thing on my mind. Um, and then when I'm home, it's family time. It, um, it's interesting you say that. Cause I, it's the same thing. I, I feel, I think at this level as well, when you're playing these type of buy-ins and these type of competition and people, it's harder. It really is like those things matter. It's like on your dinner breaks, you want to, you don't want to be, you know, the second is, and it's almost like you're obligated and you want to be with your family, but then it's like, I need to relax. I need to think about it. I want to, I want to come back and like not rush in. And I want to know what my table has, the chips that are there, how yeah. stuff going and be in the zone. And then you kind of aren't able to just based off of uh, just, you know, it's, it makes sense. So I, I can, I can, I can feel that as well. It's, it's tough. And I think at the highest level when people are at their best, you really are just dialed matrix in the zone focused and no distraction. So it's a tricky thing. And um, yeah, I think, that makes that makes sense and your family's obviously supportive your wife uh, how was that with poker for her was that a problem you guys started dating uh did she did she kind of did she have a little gaming background and understand it or do you have to explain does she know the rules could she ha- hold her own in poker what's her um she's not much of a gamer or, or a poker player i mean she she knows the rules loosely but um she kind of when we first met she um she saw it, i treated it like a business and treated it seriously where i wasn't some like crazy gambler in the pit like I kept sheets. I have records. I was, I was certain stops. I'm going to, um, evaluating myself, things like that. So she's always kind of understood how I deal with it, but she's not, um, she doesn't play at all. She's not in the game, but, um, very, uh, very good with me traveling where, um, if I have to go to a stop for a week, it's fine. Like I got, I got to do what I got to do for work. And, um, that's great. I really appreciate that. You know, yeah, it's, that's, that's huge for, I mean, I think that's the thing too, with poker, it's huge. It's great to, it's like, you get the freedom to do what you sort of want when you want, but it's also some tricky times. You got to go away or you got to be up all night or you got to do things that are, that are different. So to have that support, you can't have someone down your throat, what are you doing or you know, on you or giving you a hard time. You got to go there and know like, all right, I'm here to relax and enjoy. And that's yeah. great. Sounds like you have that. Tell, tell me, since we're on the subject as well with the family, you were, the articles came out. This was a, a pretty scary situation you had where you're you had um i mean i'll let you tell the story but basically you had someone intrude in your home and your family what 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 happened with that and and how uh, can you get maybe um share a bit on on what that experience was because it's pretty traumatic yeah that's definitely been one of the scariest thing if not the scariest thing that's ever happened to me for sure um so i was in vegas playing um i had just played the lapc final table in early march I was there playing, um, I think, something at the win, and I was about to go to Bay 101. I was in Vegas. Um, middle of the night, my phone goes off, and the alarm's going off my house. Um, my wife's called my wife. She's like, I don't know what's going on. Um, basically, a, this guy tried to break in, broke into my car, opened the garage door, tried to come in the house. The alarm went off. He ran away. Um, and we weren't really sure that that was what happened at first. We kind of – the cops came. They, they weren't sure. No one was there. Um, so we didn't really know what was, what was going on, but something had happened and, um, I came home. So like I was in Vegas, I was supposed to play, cut my trip short, come home, do like a little security, put up cameras, tighten security around the house. And, um, like two days later, after I get home, my wife and I are out, my daughter's home with our babysitter. And, um, he comes back in the front door with a gun and, um, puts it to the babysitter's head, says, where's Darren? Keep his money. 
and like walks around the house looking for money. The same guy, uh, the guy who was in and there was an alert and now you beefed up thing. The guy comes right back when you were gone and now he's you're home and he's just and you're in or well, you're not at the moment, but you're back there and he literally comes right back. Yeah, like two two p.m. in the afternoon, front door. Um, we live in a safe neighborhood, so it's it's like something you never expect. But wow. the, the guy had basically played poker at Borgata, knew who I was, uh, lived in Philly, googled my address, and um, was driving forty five minutes from Philly to come try and rob me like multiple times. And um, I didn't, know, I didn't realize that. I didn't. I didn't. I knew. I remember hearing the story it was pretty crazy, but I did not know there was like the first part and then he came back and then that happened. I mean, so he, he actually came and got, got a, got the hold of it. And then what happened? They caught him or how did it? Well, he, um, he like locked, locked the babysitter in a bathroom. Um, he, he was in the house, didn't find anything like ran away fairly quickly. Um, she crawled out the window, ran to the neighbor's house. Um, oh my God. so then the neighbors call me, this is one of the scariest phone calls I got. They call me and say, there's a guy in your, there's a guy with a gun in your house and your daughter is still in there. And like, that's, you never want to hear that. Cause I mean, he had, they had put her in a room by herself while, while the guy and the babysitter go around the house looking for money. So it was just awful. Um, cops are surrounding the house when I get home. Um, but he was still there. He left. Or- no, he, had, he had ran away. Okay. So, so that was, that was good. Um, and then, Holy shit, later, man. you must've lost your mind. Cause yeah, you're in there. So now the police are outside your house and you're like sweat. You don't even know if you're, if he's in there with the baby, it could be like a, like some crazy, obviously he's a lunatic. To do so, I mean, so anyone who thinks of that, even so, you, you just don't know what you could have, what could happen. Yeah, that's yeah, and um, it could have been so much worse. Like nobody got hurt, nothing was taken. So I mean, you have to focus on the positive. But he gets caught a couple of days later, and um, we're going through the court stuff now. He pleaded guilty. Looks like he's going to get somewhere like 13, 14 years. Holy shit. I mean, I I was going to say, I don't even know. I I don't even know how to quantify. Those are like one of those things that are so insane and and scared, like dumb. You don't even like, you don't even know what the penalty should be because it obviously should be something crazy, right? Like strict, but that's, I mean, yeah, I guess he's, I mean, it's almost like kidnapping. You're endangering your weapons, your fan. I mean, that's the breaking. It's like, it's, it's, that's I mean, that is honestly mind blowing. That's like a really is over the top crazy. I know the guy's twenty four years old or something, and now he's going to be in jail a long time. Um, but I guess because there's kids involved, and um, it could have gone a lot worse. Is all I think about. What if I'm home? What if what if the cops come while he's still in the house? There's lots of different ways it could have gone where it it doesn't end well so uh i'm i'm just grateful that yeah, I mean, that, that's a, that's a, that's true too because it's like yeah, if you're there you know it's a babysitter it's a girl she's sort of you know she's and she's helpless and he doesn't have to but like you're in there you're not just gonna roll over you got your kid and a gun and stuff like it's kind of yeah you just don't like things break differently Who gonna happen? or what he's gonna do or how it reacts so all right i don't want to i don't want to make the podcast about that but that would definitely have you know good to good to hear that everything's okay and that uh hopefully no one you know goes through i mean i, I these nests these cameras and stuff are crazy now and you know i feel we live, I live in a condo, but even so have them. It just seems like it just, the, the world's nuts. There's technology now and you don't want to be over the top and, and whatever. But at the same time, yeah, I mean, people, people really do. There's crazy stuff out there and you got to yeah, encourage people like take, take precautions, if, especially in the poker world. Right. If you're well known, like in, information's out there on the internet, like make sure, try to do what you can to, to protect your information, protect your house, um, cameras, alarms, whatever you got to do. Um, Cause there's crazy people out there. Yeah, that's um, 
Man. All right. Well, so, okay. So we touched on family. Everything's all right. That's a, that's a wild story. Family supportive. That's great. You played, so you played sports. Uh, you, you've uh, now you're into poker. What other, have you gotten, would you say your love for the game? Like, are you in there just hungry? Is it the same for you? Do you, do you have goal? Like, give me some of your goals. You now you're the four time WPT winner um, champion, which is cool to break the record and have that. That's really, you know, it's like how many has the bracelets and, and hold them. The, the WPTs are even, it, they're, they're just way less, right? Like he has 15 or something bracelets, but you're talking about 50, 60 events a summer. Some of those bracelets mm-hmm. guys won where there was really small fields back then. So to have like the, the kind of uh, tour, one of the marquee tours to have that record's great. Like, do you have a thing? Like, I want to 10 titles. Do you look at like what motivates you? What drives you? Hen and mob stats. Like, are you looking to be like, do you have money list goals? Do you have title goals? What, what kind of gets you excited? Um, I mean, I've always played poker for, mo- for money. Like that's always been the, the primary motivation. Um, but as I've gotten older in my career, I guess I've, I care a little more about the accolades and the titles. Like when I was younger, I, I didn't, I didn't care at all. I just take my money and go out the back door. But as I'm getting older, I start to think more about that stuff. And I don't have a number of titles or, or millions I want to win or anything like that. It's just um, trying to keep showing up, keep showing up, playing my best competing. And um, I would like to win a bracelet at some point. I've been, I've been close a couple of times in that deuce to seven event. I think um, I'll probably get that one eventually that that's my best shot every year. And um I think we'll clip that that when it comes. They called it right there. Deuce to seven. I'm actually learning a couple of mixed games right now. That does seem like a fun one. It seems relatively easy, not easy, but just that that it's not as quite complex. Like there's a lot more bluffing. It's like kind of gangster old school poker, right? You get to pull bluffs and and, and it's, and it's a reasonable size one. So that, yeah, it sounds like a fun game. Uh, I kind of understand, but I haven't really looked at it all, but how many people does that get for the 10 K? Usually a hundred. About a hundred. Um, I think I got third this year and I got third two years ago, but um, I think it's one of the purest poker games around the the strategies. The strategy is very simple. Um, There's just one round, one draw, another round and it's over. Uh, No community cards or anything. It's very um, psychological and it it depends who you're playing against and uh, simple strategy, but very, very complex game, I guess. Uh, Yeah. And what other games do you like? So you play PLO, like if you had to break down your Hold'em at a, at a pie chart, Hold'em versus PLO and Deuce to Seven or any other games, what's your breakdown of games? I don't play much PLO at all. I don't, I don't really enjoy it. I played it a little bit when I was younger, um, live catch games, and um, I just really don't like the game. Um, so I, I don't play – I pr- probably don't play any PLO in a given year. I play this no limit deuce whenever I can. I'll play cash games or tournaments, but it's kind of a rarely spread game nowadays. Um, so I probably play ninety nine percent no limit hold'em. I'd say I, I don't. I don't really enjoy playing limit games like the other mixed games. Like I've played some pot limit triple draw online. Um, I like the draw games better, but only in pot limit or no limit format. I, I don't really. I haven't gotten to the point where I'm ready to start making min raises and play like limit poker yet. Right. And, and PLO, that surprised me a bit. I would think you, you like that, that game you just haven't really put, you just haven't got into or. For, no, I, I, um, I played when I was real young. I played in like Mississippi in like the Beau Rivage. I was in some big cat games when I was, when I was like 21 or 22. Um, but I never really stuck with it and, um, don't like it much in tournament format. So, um, I, I haven't really played it. 
Um, and, and I actually, I want to talk water polo. You, so you did, that's a, it's a, it's a tough sport. Um, dirty stuff. Like, was it, was it literally like that? Like, is it guys have just, na- I mean, I'm sure if you find the wrong guy, right. Like there, there's all kinds of crazy stuff going on. I mean, was that, that seems like almost just uh, to a point of just being so annoying. It would be like just oh, always to deal with brutal sport. Like, um, high school, high school wasn't, wasn't too bad, I guess. I mean, you get an occasional, um, dirty player or something. I mean, I, I remember we would, you went to pioneer, I think in Ann Arbor. Yeah. yeah. Ann Arbor, yeah. We, we could actually drive up and play in Ann, Ar- Ann Arbor because on the East coast, there weren't too many uh, high schools that had water polo. So we'd kind of find each other and play. So, I mean, you, you'd have, um, you kind of hear ahead of times, Oh, like number six on Huron, like this guy's dirty. And then yeah. you get to play him and he's underwater, like punching you in the nuts. So it, it's just brutal because anything underneath the water goes, you can't see it. Is it has that, um, has that gotten better? Is there like camera, you know, now like technology or do they have any stuff or underwater in like the big events or college stuff? No, I mean, in, in the Olympics, they have, um, they have underwater cameras, but the ref can't see, can't see that. He's just looking above the water. So there's a lot of um, jostling for position, like grabbing suits. You're, you're doing what you can underwater to try to, get the ball in the goal. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it seems like a fun sport. It just seems pretty, pretty crazy. Uh, what, what position did you play? Were you, did you like, how did that work? I was, um, whole set, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't make much sense for people who don't know water polo, but kind of center, like it's like the, the bigger guy you kind of put right in front of the goal. And um, I'm close. I shoot like short shots and kind of like muscle up with the other, they put the other big defender on you in the, in the middle. Is, it, um, is, this, is this where the racquetball came from? Just a heads up. I got to blow your gig. Do not play Darren and racquetball without at least a test run thing. He beat me, I think, 15-0. And I was sort of the out of my my friends that I've played with in the past. I've done well. Uh, almost undefeated. I don't want to say undefeated, but a favorite in, in the games I play. And you literally – it was not fun because it wasn't even we got to play. You just like your kill shots and the, everything was technical and you were very good. So you're, you're a tough uh, tough opponent on the racquetball courts. What, where do you – how much racquetball have you played in your life um i played with my dad growing up maybe like once once a week or something um racquetball is one of those things there's like a steep learning curve where like if you're just a good athlete and you hop on the racquetball court and play um i'm probably going to shut you out but like uh, a racquetball player a guy who plays racquetball a lot um is going to be fine so it's a steep learning curve like i i've i've pushed it a little bit and I, i tried to play a tournament once against like real racquetball players and I, honestly, now I don't have the endurance, and it, it's it's the cardio I can't keep up with. Well, you and, luckily uh, your serve though you can rely on your serve. It doesn't matter. I don't think your cardio and, and and a lot of the people you'll play. But yeah, it is. It's a tough game. It's fun. It's good exercise if you can find a nice even match. Which um, yeah, I don't I don't know. Good luck for uh, the poker circuit. I don't think they're, you're gonna find anyone. Um, the uh, so tell me about online poker with like uh, give me your. Back in the day, what was the peak tables you played? Do you use HUDs? What, what, mm-hmm. I, I, give me a little feeling. Because Party Poker now removed HUDs. I saw Stars limited four tables for cash. But were you like a 20-table guy? Did you, did you do more focus yeah. and less? Did you use HUDs? Like, give me a give me a little bit of online, Darren. Sure. Loss, uh, um, history. When I played online, I wasn't a huge volume guy. Never was. Um, like, when I told people numbers, like, I was a full-time online pro MTT reg, and I would play, like, 500 or a thousand tournaments in a year. So, which seems like some people play that in like a month. Give me, give me, um, give me an idea what table wise on a Sunday or just in on general, if like Tuesday, Thursday is when it was good. Or- um, like two to four tables at once on a Sunday, maybe like four to six. Like I would just pick the higher buying ones. Um, and I would, I would use a hub, but I would also like take meticulous like notes. Like I would, I would write 
she have huge um, note files on people where I would write down hands I'd seen specific things they do. Um, and that, that helped me a lot when I was playing in these player pools where it's the same people every time, like hundred rebuy on poker stars back in the day where I'd have pretty specific reads on, on certain players and be able to exploit them in some spots where I always, um, like if you look at shark scope or something, I have like super low volume, but, but high, high ROI. And that, that's kind of what I focused on is like winning the most when I was playing, playing big buy-ins, but not, not playing too much. Yeah, I think, yeah, man, there's something about that. It does seem online. I think, I think people that say they play 12, 16 tables, I mean, I think they're kind of kidding themselves. Like even if, you know, at some level, like maybe they, they still have great results, but to get down, once it gets down to probably exactly that, right? Four to six tables is when they can start playing. And so if you're just, the idea is to build a stack and then play, okay, but you're really, it's tough. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's I get it. it I get, like money-wise, I get it. Like more tables, more money if you're winning in all of them. Like if you can play 16 tables with a, 40% ROI that that's better than four tables with a 60% ROI. But, but the problem becomes like these 15th and 16th tables, sometimes you're throwing in kind of like garbage tournaments. Like you're throwing in these like $20 freeze out back in the day or something that, you know, you're not making much money on and it's costing your, it's hurting your EV in these this 1k or this bigger event you're playing where I think, um, I would just not play, not play the smaller ones and kind of focus on the bigger ones. Yeah. I find myself even with streaming with Twitch and stuff. It, it happens some days or on a Sunday in particular, I'm like, Oh, I'm just going to play four tables. And then schedule gets up and there's all this fun stuff. And then it's like, well, all right, I'm going to do this. And then I'll every time. But so I've, I've focused and really tried to make some cuts. Cause I think it does make a big difference. And sort of like you're saying live, like same thing. If you come six hours late live, you're on your phone the whole time, you got 40 things you're dealing with. Like, yeah, you're, you're, you know, you're not going to, give it the same as someone who's there on time, focused, dialed in, rested, ready to play. So I think that that's a mm-hmm. uh, huge and sounds like you've got the, the mental aspect down on that pretty uh, nice, nice uh, firm anchor of strategy on that. What, what, uh, what tournaments do you look forward to the most? So world poker tour, is there any other stuff? Like have you given some thought to Triton? Are, do you set your schedule up for the year? Do you do it by the month? How, like give us a little a glimpse on your upcoming schedule and how you determine that. Um, I usually stick to the States, Canada, Caribbean. Um, I, I, I like to hit most of the WPTs in America. I think I'm going to miss the one on the bike. I don't do as many of the West coast ones anymore. Um, I like playing at playground in Montreal. Um, I like these new party poker events. Like I, I'll go to those. Um, I like big fields guarantees, um, to be able to, to win a big chunk. Like, like my thing is I'm, if I'm playing like, 3k to 20k buy-in or whatever i like i like being able to play a big field where i have a big piece of myself and and bang off a big number if i win um i'm gonna play i'm, I'm gonna play a couple bigger buy-ins this year i actually just am looking at uh london to play this super high roller bowl in a couple weeks i think i'm gonna go out and try that um oh, that is something the, I, i'm kind of putting the bpl the british poker open the one okay yeah i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna go and play the last couple events there where that's another goal where I'd like to have some success um, in the, in those super high roller fields. I don't play a lot of them, but uh, it's kind of eluded me over the years. I've played a couple of the hundred Ks, a couple of the 50 Ks and um, haven't been able to break through yet. Yeah. And uh, this is always uh, interesting, but personal and, and not uh, just curious on your thoughts on that. Is that like the, the swapping, staking, those type of things, like you said, in these three K five Ks, 20, 25 Ks can have, the majority of yourself or all of it or whatever. Um, where do you like, 
with, let's just say the hundred, the Triton that just happened in London, hundred thousand pound, you know, rebuy event, pretty juicy. was unbelievable. was there for that. Didn't play just doing some commentary. I got to see it firsthand. A lot of the stuff, it was unbelievable. Is that, is there like a point where, uh, what, what's your outlook at like a certain level? Would you, do you feel that selling a huge piece of yourself or whatever is, is not genuine or you just would like, would you rather play a 10 K that's pretty good event, all of yourself, or would you rather sell for a hundred K pound event and sell whatever a big piece of yourself? Like, do you feel that it's that big of a, is is it part of it? You just don't want to sell like, like what, what to you, how, how do you break that down and how do you look at all yeah. that? Cause that, that happens a lot. Obviously the guys playing hundred K's and 25 K's. I mean, they're, they're selling huge pieces a lot. Yeah. I'm in the camp where um, I'd rather play the 10K and have all myself. I really enjoy playing my own money and um, also not dealing with the accounting. I mean, it's an accounting nightmare. You want to go play a 100K, sell 80%, swap out with six people. Like, it's a disaster, and you end up owing money or owed money. Like, I don't want to deal with that. I got to give, um, give a plug to State Kings, man. Put it up on there. Let your fans sweat. Put it on there. You'll sell out overnight. And then you mm-hmm. just have one transaction, nothing to do, and the whole world sweating. You got your your teacher, your your everyone, your uncles, your cousins. You got your friends. You got everyone on Twitter. Old Money D on Instagram is following along, and they got and they're they're riding and dying with you for ten bucks. And you you know what what about that? Yeah, I've never used it. I've never, I'm, I've never been on that site. Um, you would be, you would be the poster boy. You would literally, I, you would have to limit it. You would have to say, all right, it's a hundred dollar cap, and it would go in the, over in a second. Like, I mean, even Alex Fox and Kristen Bicknell, they're selling over there. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I could name a ton of big names that use it. Some for promotional use, some for for fun, some because they need to, whatever. But anyway, I, I don't want to make it a. Pl- I'm just saying, you would literally. I think if you're talking about hundred k's and stuff, and you want to do it, I think there would be like. Some people do have a tough time with that too. It's like, I want to play my own money. You know, you don't want to feel responsible. You feel bad, but it's like, look, if you got, you're putting out a markup that's fair or that you did whatever and you want to do, and it's for the right reasons. Like those are the kind of people like that's someone like they're never going to be able to have a piece of you. Like Darren Elias, Antonio Esfandiari, these guys, like you, you can't get access to you to buy a piece. You could go on other sites or try to, you know, play, play whatever, but actually to have a piece through you with you at a fair price, you know, that's uh that is a special thing. So I don't know. I mean, I would consider that. I think it's a cool thing. I think you'd be shocked, like how it works and how fast you would just sell out. And, and yeah. I've, never, I've never thought about that. Usually for those bigger, bigger buy-ins, I usually sell to a couple people. Yeah, no, I mean, that's another thing too. Obviously you have people that believe in your game or, you know, and would take chunks. So that's pretty easy too, but it's also, yeah, it's another way to do it. You could even, if it's like, Oh, I don't want to, I don't want my buddy to be risking 50 K in a hundred K, but like he wants 10 K worth, but then I want to sell some. Yeah. Anyway, we could talk about that later. Definitely something I think you would be interested in and would do, uh, you'd be, it would be like, it would be like a a fire sale on there. So Yeah. yeah, it is. There's definitely something to it though, like in, in this super high roller scene where you see these guys win these huge numbers and, and then you hear through the grapevine, we had 3% of himself or he had 5% of himself. That, that's a little like false to me. And, and I, don't, I don't really, I mean, I get the math behind it. These guys are trying to make a living. They sell at markup, they swap, they're grinding out money. I get it. But I don't really like the idea of it from like a romantic perspective or whatever. Where, oh, you won $10 million and you actually got, 300k yeah i was i was just had i was just had Bryn on the last one and we Bryn's not one of those guys and he, sure. you know, he, he fires and stuff but it's funny to hear that too like what percent or what people do and whatnot but at the same time i think it's good for poker 
you know, some like these hundred K, the Tritons are, are big events and stuff. It's kind of fun to have some of that, but yeah, it's like some point you start talking about, maybe there's a group of 20 guys that all are sharing or like in a one pool and they all have, it's it can get, yeah, it, 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 there's, there is something unromantic about that aspect. And I think it's gotta be in context and, and there, there's ways to do it do it respectfully responsibly and and make it fair and fun but I, i'm with you on that i would i would say like if you're looking at those though those are uh those are juicy man like they're and they're still looking at some big stuff like that's as long as the market is there and there's these these recreational players who yeah. want to play that big they want to play a million dollar tournaments as long as those guys are there and they want to play like this is going to keep happening i mean poker players will pool their money and get, put the best players up against them i mean that's what's going to happen that's what's been happening for years yeah, for sure. Very. Yeah, it's uh, it's very interesting. I mean, it's also it's cool, though. Hen and Mob does the list where they show like under X amount of buy ins and these different things, because it does get it's like also carry cats. You know, you got to respect him. He does a lot for poker, poker go. You start throwing these 25K, 100K Aria's five, seven times a week. Guys that live in Vegas, they're just, you know, they're shooting up the, the money list like 20 million, 50 million, 30 million earnings guys are just like, you know, they might be losing or breaking even on those events. So it's kind of, uh, it does kind of jade a bit, the statistics that I, I was curious what you think on the keeping track. Uh, it's that Mike McDonald brought it up. I've thought about this before too. Like if I like say starting January, 2020, I don't know if it's even possible, but it's probably not the right play, like based on the reasons why you would do it or not, but to sort of like show your, your ROI, you know, like it's like kind of funny how you should like like, mom or something. Yeah. Like just like, it's like your net net, like showing, you know, like I, I may probably not good because then it's like, you got, then even like for recreationals or people like, like they want to go play, you know, they want to go play like family men and, and, and guys that go play and they show whatever. If it actually showed like they're what they're at, it probably, that's probably the reason why it'd be bad. That would be awful. I mean, you're shining a light on losing players. Like no, nobody, nobody wants to see. Like, oh, to be fair, I'm it, I agree. But it does that online, right? Like the ROI and the shark scopes and things. So I mean, it's sort of the same principle, yeah. right? Yeah, I guess the, the shark scope is a little harder to read. I guess the data and it can be construed a little bit. But um, I would definitely not want accurate profit, like win loss results on there. Yeah, I know WPC used to have like events played events cashed or something like that where and they got they got rid of that you know it's interesting triton does that they have their website because it's a really really interesting it'll show you like oh re- the 100k rebought five times it shows like everyone's life stats on there which is like because these guys it's almost like uh legacy grinding you know they're having fun it's like paul paul guys asian guys and they're like keeping score and they're just having a good time and then the pro come in but but for that reason it is kind of like it's good and bad but it's um yeah you're gonna scare some people off or it's gonna be embarrassing to some people and i think that i mean i'm curious I'd love to know. I'd love to know all that information right. and see it. I don't think it's something that should be like publicly available. Right. Or you could opt in or something, or if you wanted to do yeah. it, show it. And like, there's a way to track it, but then it's almost, then it becomes like, yeah, then people don't and do. And it, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, that's a, it's interesting thought. I just, it, it's, it's curious. These, these money lists. So that's cool though, to know that that does. Um, what about like GPI players, that, that type of stuff? Like you, what's the t- highest you've been? Do you go for that stuff or not really? Cause you're just never, you're not playing enough volume, right? I mean, you're playing yeah, like- the highest I've got is like 10 or 11 or something, but um, I don't realistically with my schedule, I don't really, that's probably as high as I could get playing like 50 tournaments. That might have to be like in 20 years, if poker's still around or what's going on, like after kids are through college, you make like a, a year comeback. I, I think the same thing. I'm like, man, I want to do this. I want to stream all the time on Twitch. I want to go to all these live events, but then I'm like, you know, it's just not really possible. It's like a married kid. 
it's different. Yeah. It's fine. It just is what it is. You have to be realistic because you can't just yeah. do everything. You can't just like say, I'll, I'll grind this. Maybe if I'll get my second wind, I'll be traveling around with Ari at Council Bluffs, Iowa, you know, getting GPI. Points. Yeah, we'll be uh, we'll be the same age, man. You're a couple months younger than me. Maybe we'll do a tour when our kids yeah. go to college and and uh, and try that. So yeah, it's it's fun though. It's good. Uh, it's poker's great. I I want to I want to hear your thoughts on uh, you're in Jersey or in and out of Jersey online poker scene what's it like there overall has since it got legalized would you say you can you talk me through a little bit of the stages is it disappointing is it enough to play on a sunday do you think it's got a future the trajectory now also pa is kind of supposed to pass or did pass it's looking to go through uh what do you think about the future of online poker and just in general right now in jersey I don't play a ton of it now, but when it first launched, um, it was really good. I'd say when it was Jersey, just Jersey, the, um, the cash games were really good. It's kind of like, um, the wild west of like old online poker where like everybody would play everybody. Nobody knew who, who, like nowadays online cash games, the game selecting is absurd where like nobody plays anybody unless they're sure of they have an edge at high stakes, which I can't really deal with. Uh, That's never been my, my niche where I, um, bum hunt games. select online cash games and um yeah action was very good when it first started and i could see that happening again as new states get introduced um the first like six months or a year when a new state comes online you're gonna get some guys that'll come in and probably drop big money playing cash games um the tournaments don't really do it for me um prize pools fields not quite big enough um but i think as more states get added it could become decent again. I think if we got some of the bigger states like New York, California, um, we could start to see some big numbers in tournaments and maybe I'd start playing on Sundays again. If, if it was like the Sunday million, you could win 200 grand. I mean, I'd probably play on a Sunday. If I could win 200. Um, and I think that's reasonable if we got enough states to link up and, uh, and do this. But right now um, I don't play much at all on the online jersey. And so, okay, so that's online scene. Based on what you're seeing at a lot of world poker tour events and whatnot, my my feeling is poker's booming live. It just seems crazy. There's new stops, new tours, new new smaller series circuits, stuff party poker's doing. There's you know WPT, WSOP, EPTs. There's there's all kinds of stuff. There's new stuff. Triton's got the high roller thing going. What do you? What's your perspective? Because as people may say, poker's getting tougher. There's more information. There's solvers. Uh, want to talk about Pluribus. You were part of that study, which I saw some articles on. That's really interesting. Wanted to hear on that too, sort of on this subject. But tell me about live poker. I mean, it seems like, I think a live poker has a future, right? Like always, like people, people love it. The poker's good. There's content out there. And, you know, mm-hmm. people may see a video on Doug Polk or Raise Your Edge or some study thing, right? And, and, and like try to apply it. But you can't teach 15 years of experience. You can't yeah. apply it all. People make big mistakes. It's crazy. I mean, you might, the live poker seems bigger than ever. What do you think on that? Yeah, people always say live poker's dying. It's getting tougher. I mean, I, I, I never feel that way. I think live poker will always be there, especially in the, the buy-in range like 1k to 10k or something like that in the states like that's always going to be there There, there's always going to be mid-stakes poker players there there's going to be pros there's going to be wrecks um the action will be there and i guess the solvers and stuff have made it tougher a little bit like some of the uh some of the pros nowadays are a lot sharper and um have you can tell they've been studying but it's one thing to to be in doing simulations all day trying to memorize what a computer would do and then getting in game and actually executing it properly um, against good opponents, um, managing your live game. Um, I don't think 
there's a lot of guys nowadays that are probably great in the lab and then they get to the they get to the table and they can't execute like like they should be yeah i, I exactly that's um i i would i just i echo those sentiments i think it's 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 got a big future it's it's moving the right way i think poker is expanding and i think that's just like whether it's hold'em or you know there, you see short deck which i don't think i don't think it's going to quite catch the the flame you know, plo people thought we're going to take over for a while and be the game main spread at, at cash games and stuff which i don't know i see i see spurts of, of plo um as well but whatever like it's just poker's timeless it was seven card stud five card draw they have house no limit hold them like there's there's people love games people love gaming it's a, it's a mixture of luck and skill it just seems like it's not going anywhere and it, it's a fun it's a very fun time um as long as we can keep it fun and enjoyable for the recreational player, then it's going to be there. Like if, if it ever gets to the point where they're not having fun and losing, then I, I guess then, then it starts to be a problem. But um, the WPT and most tournaments I play, like guys are having a good time, pros, recs, like it's serious. We're trying to win, but um, also it, it's, it's a fun experience. And I think that's important. What, what do you, what's your thoughts on like the tanking, the time bank stuff we've seen, you know, Triton introduced the, the time bank preflop, what they had, they had different seconds for flop turn, which is pretty advanced and cool. You know, we've seen now that most of the tours add big blind Annie speed stuff up. So there have been some innovations in the game. Um, what is your thoughts on like the tanking pre-flop and sort of the, you know, the, the, the all like covered up, like, and, and just sort of robotic stuff. Like, do you feel this is a issue? Uh, how, how do you, um, like you call clock on people uh, and stuff? Like, what do you, what do you think with what's happening with that? Because most of the tournaments I play in are, um, in America or Canada, I think American players are, are pretty good. Like they play quickly. They don't waste a lot of time compared to the European players where like when I go to the world series or I play these party poker events, I'm shocked at how slow people are playing. And a lot of it is in spots where they shouldn't even be thinking like, I'm, I mean, this guy's a pro he's been studying, but um, it takes him 30 seconds to know how much to bet on like King two, two, when he opens the button and the guy defends, like you, you know what you're going to do. Um, what, what are you wasting time for? Um, so I think I'm not the fastest player, but, um, I'm not going to waste time when I don't need to. And, and if I have a tough decision, I'm more likely to, to spend a lot of time on one decision than like hand to hand, I'm going to be pretty quick. And I think that's the important thing is like when you don't have a decision or when you have an easy decision, let's act quickly. And then that kind of gives you a little more, um, credit if you do have a tough decision. That's usually how it works. Like, once or twice a day, you have a very tough decision where you need a couple minutes to think is generally how it works. And, um, yeah, I've found since shot clocks have come, like when I'm, I've gotten used to playing with shot clocks, I've started to clock people more quickly. And I, I think that's good. And I think everybody who plays with shot clocks, because if you play the shot clock all the time and then you're in a tournament that doesn't have one and a guy's playing slow, someone just clocks him and it's no big deal. For sure. Tell me, and again, the pluribus uh, experiment where this is pretty revolutionary, kind of scary for gaming poker. You know, backgammon's been solved. Um, poker's like, you know, you see heads up or there was this thing with the Carnegie Mellon. I guess this was maybe the same group or similar. Um, talk about poker and being solved as sort of a threat to the game and online in particular. Um, what was this about? How did you get involved and what was what was the experience like? Um, yeah, those guys reached out to me, I guess, in March and, um, wanted someone to like test their like AI bot. And, um, I've been, I'm kind of a nerd. I've always been interested in AI and games. Like I watched that like alpha go documentary on Netflix. I thought that was amazing. I, I think that stuff's I cool. See that. I'm making note yeah. of that actually. Check that out, like uh, machine learning. And this is all like, um, 
narrow AI where it's an, an artificial intelligence who does one thing. This thing just plays poker. And um, in those kind of fields, AI has gotten superhuman in almost almost everything. I don't know anything we could really beat. You can't really beat an AI in a, in a game anymore um, that, I, that I know of. So they reached out to me. I thought this would be cool. I'm not an online six max is not my forte. Like I, I can play and I'm, I'm decent, but I'm certainly not um, Red Baron or, or one of these guys. So they chose me. I played, um, I played a couple thousand hands against it and it was awful at first. It, it didn't play very well. Um, and I was kind of working with them to like troubleshoot it where it was weak, where it was making mistakes. So they would like, I don't know what they do, feed it data, feed it my recommendations, and it would come back the next day way stronger. So it, it went from being, I was crushing it like 30 blinds per 100 to then the next day, 10 blinds per 100. The next day we're even. And then by the end, it, it was winning against me. I think some players beat it, but um, it ended up winning small against me in, in their in their form. But was it you in five pro four pros and pluribus or was it you at pluribus and ran a computer like how did the it was six max or what yeah it was six max the format i played the most and i played it first was me versus five copies of the pluribus so i'm playing against five bots um i played that a lot and then later in the summer they did one where they had five pros and pluribus and um that was with all those other guys i didn't get to play that one much because i was at the world series and I, i wasn't i didn't really have time Interesting. Yeah. Interesting stuff. It's uh, the AI whole topic on everything, right? Uh, just technology. If we're in a matrix or not simulation, these type of things, it does get kind of scary because it, it puts it in perspective how smart computers and you know how uh, how wild um, it can get. Also, with like tech, crypto and stuff, uh, Bitcoin, these type of things are pretty prevalent in poker. Uh, do you, Are you a believer in blockchain and in the future of this stuff? Is that something that you you uh you believe in you like do you think it's good or do you just or whatever do you have any feeling um i guess i'm a believer in it i'm not huge on the technology like as an investor i've like diversified with some crypto um over the years a a little bit but um i'm not huge into the technology where i I know enough to like talk knowledgeably about it yeah um i think bitcoin is bitcoin is good and it's a good hedge against um governments doing stupid things and, and money inflation and things like that i think it's a good hedge but um besides that i don't i don't know too much about the tech right. I'm, a, I'm a modeler i guess right I just, well, yeah no it's 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 one of those things in poker i think it's everyone's kind of either dealt with it a little bit if you play at the high you know some a fair amount of poker online it's easy to get money around help stuff help with stuff and it's it's interesting i i, I just think um yeah, I think cryptos i think it's a it's a good thing to have and or a good thing that use case and i, I know that uh our our future of there's there's some changes happening with online to player to player transfers and all kinds of things. That's tricky with poker, and that's a big fight: is regulation, how is money laundering, how how is stuff? You know, that, I think that's a, unfortunately the problem too. It's like the interstate stuff. It's it's about taxes. It's about money. How do, how do all the states coexist? Is it fair? You know, do they share? And and it's just frustrating to see that it hasn't really happened yet where like states can just sort it out like it's so crazy like the uk or other parts of the world where you know it's like daily fantasy is legal i mean it's just it's yeah. how it like slipped through and how archaic these uh you know the the, the justice system and how, how just like it's just so complicated and like how yeah i've heard of guys like driving across a state border to set like a, fan, a daily fantasy lineup and then driving back like yeah. sunday morning they have to go set their lineups and come back and um, I know, like, I think ACR uses Bitcoin for, like, transactions. 
deposits cash outs. I, I think it'd be cool. I don't know the I don't know the law, but if we could ever run a live tournament where you could buy in a Bitcoin cash out in Bitcoin, yeah, I'm sure that's legal in most principalities. But it, it'd be cool to see that one day. Yeah, well, they're. I know they they just set that Guinness World Record. They had that big event and they paid a million out to first in Bitcoin. It was sent out, and I actually know the guy. You know that guy, Rafael Morales, the Brazilian, Rafael. Oh yeah, yeah he's oh, nice. Guy. Yeah, GM Volker on stars. He he won it, and they they like shipped it in BTC a million, and it was a record. Congrats, congrats. So he's a great guy. Yeah, that's cool. But I'm with you on that. Uh, let's you you have. Uh, we're gonna flash over here to. I don't know if you can see the screen or not, or if you have Twitter on the side. But um, a ton of questions. One some of the most. So I do want to. We've already been going for about an hour. I want to kind of make sure we get a chance to to uh, rapid fire some of these and go through these. So we did, this was scheduled for the other day. We came back. Uh, I'm going to go through and we'll just kind of answer any of these you want to or don't. I don't, can you see them on the side or no? Or can you see it on my screen now? Yeah. It might be a little, um, uh, I'll just kind of flash in and for, I'll read it out loud. That's fine. If you have it on the side or not, um, this guy, this question, I'm not trying to understand the most expensive bank that you lost. It. I thought maybe he means might be a translation issue. What's the, what's the biggest tournament you've played that you didn't like, have you, you played hundred K you played those. So I'm, how many hundred K's have you played? Um, probably seven or eight, I would guess. Um, I guess I re-entered the world series one. So that'd probably be the worst, um, like one or two day swing where um, I guess this summer I played the 50K twice. I played the 100K twice. Um, so that would be – that's a tough week. Um, most expensive bank I've lost. And, and that's, just to touch on mentally, are you someone that, you know, you try to stay pretty balanced whether it's high or low, but, you know, like, it's always easier when you win to feel good and whatever. But when you lose or if you lose, bust a tournament, it's not fun to bust any tournament. To bust like – what the, the feeling for you do you remember entering the 100k for the first time or not cashing one and like that kind of like after is a little extra like you gotta you take a little couple minutes you gotta because then it's not you gotta talk to the people that had a little sweat you know it's just like you just don't feel good i know the feeling um it's not it's just different a little bit even though it's always the same deal a tournament how, how do you deal with like kind of getting through like a 25k or 100k if you don't doesn't go well um do you have any any after do you feel differently mentally do you have a way to cope with it you know how 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 do you do that i'm pretty i guess calloused about it where like it it doesn't mess me up emotionally too bad um i do get upset if i didn't play my best or if i made mistakes um the first thing i guess i'll do is try to evaluate my play and make sure that i brought my best um and that'll bother me if i misplayed hands or something like that but as a perspective from winning and losing like as long as i played my best I, I don't care too much about losing financially it does hurt usually i keep the bigger piece when i'm playing those types of events so um it hurts from that perspective but um i usually am, am in the dumps for like 30 minutes or an hour and then i'm having a drink and i'm fine okay and i see someone here pag pag 69 asking you like to eat good meat because of what i see posts on your social networks when you come to argentina to eat the best barbecue Best brisket in the world. Have you been to Argentina? They're asking when will you come. No, I've been to Brazil, never Argentina. I hear they have good, uh, good barbecue, good steak, good wine in Argentina. Though I need to get to Buenos Aires. Yeah, that, it, I can say it is. I've been once and I enjoyed it a lot. And you're, my wife's Brazilian. You were on a GPI. Uh, what was it? I'm sorry. The um, the league. We were both in the GPL. You were on the Brazilian team. A couple of those yeah. guys. You got good buddies there. Now you've gone to Brazil. I remember you were there. I saw you there. In December a few years ago. Uh, you speak Portuguese now? 
Yeah, I um, I put in an old time. Like I, I dated a Brazilian girl like a long time ago, ten years ago. I learned a little bit of it. Um, and then when I was with the Brazilian team, like, I I was in these like group chats with them, and they were talking Portuguese. I kind of understood a little. So I just said like, whatever. I'm gonna put in the time and try to actually learn it. So I studied. I mean, I got obsessed with things, and I, I studied for hours a day for like six months or nine months. And now I'm close to fluent, if not fluent. It's uh, it's another thing. Racquetball in Portuguese, you got me super clipped. I'm trying. We got to find something. Maybe golf. I don't know. I'm not sure. Easier to learn racquetball. Yeah, I better chance at Portuguese than racquetball. That's for sure. Um, all right, you have four victories, thirteen final tables in a World Poker Tour. Lucas Gio asking, which is the one that hurt you the most to lose? from those times that you were close to the title and could not achieve it. So, you know, we get, I, I want to know the, the reverse of this as well. This guy's looking for the, the pain. I want to know the one that felt the best, but what about the, this one? The, what was the one that you kind of like you thought got away? I think I, the WPT champions one that you had just won your fourth, right? This last summer. And I remember you and Waxman and maybe Matthias or, or what was it? were three handed. And I think you lost aces to Waxman's jacks or Queens or Queens to his jacks, something like that. I remember maybe it was Queens to jacks actually. And, and you would have maybe had a big lead or knocked them out. Um, what would, was, was that one of them? Yeah. I mean, I've had a couple like that where um, three handed I've lost pre-flop stuff where I'd have like 90% of the chips heads up. Um, but th- those don't bother me that much where it's just like a cooler, right? It's like, yeah, like you other, you would be on the other side of it as well. You would have had yeah. the worst in one or there's a couple I've lost three handed where I think I could have played better. And those, um, I think I've gotten third, maybe five or six times. Um, so I guess maybe Choctaw, I played one where uh, a recreational player won. I was three handed. Um, I think I had the chip lead at one point. That one was frustrating. Um, LAPC this last year, I, I think I played okay. Um, that one was frustrating because it was a million up top and I had the chip lead. So a lot of these three-handed ones, not the ones where like I, I run bad, but the ones where maybe I could have done, done a few things differently and played better, uh, those kind of haunt me. And do you, is there one that stands out? I mean, the Borgata one I would imagine has to be. It was the first one. It was the biggest one. It was your backyard. Is that is that the greatest memory? I mean, Yeah, that was cool. Um, that was probably the one that – was the most important and then winning the lap the fourth one at aria it, it was it was uh it was neat to do something no one's ever done um that that was that was fun and that was the start of like a, a good summer and a, a good run so the aria last aria one was nice that was 2018 or 19 18 right last summer 18 yeah or summer before and so the wpt champions was scheduled right after that you won four you were three-handed would that have counted for five the wpt champions or does it not count I think they say that doesn't count because it's it's invite only. Yeah. Okay. So so that hurts a little less then because they would have. I mean, they get five. Five is going to be tough for anyone to catch that. Um, yeah. Toughest spot you've been put in in life or in poker. We already discussed the life one. I would imagine that's the most tough. There was the that. I mean, I don't. Know, I, think, I hope I hope that's the toughest. If not, yeah. there's a uh, man. Is that was that it? The the that. Yeah. Life wise, dealing with the robbery has been really tough, especially like. I mean, doing what I do, I travel a lot for work. Um, my wife, my wife is home sometimes. Sometimes just her, my my daughter, or the dog. That's tough to deal with when someone's trying to trying to rob you or trying to threaten your livelihood. So, like that, dealing with that has been tough. Um, like especially right after it happened, like trying to when the guy was still out there at large for a couple of days. That's that's a terrible feeling when like a guy came and tried to rob you and then he's still out there. Um, that, that, that was, was a scary couple of days. How so did, this they year, did they have it on camera or something? Like, I don't get, how did they actually get them? 
there was some camera there was a sketch and i think he ended up um telling somebody and they ratted him out i think that i think that's what ended up happening um i don't know too much about it and the, the court stuff's not done so i don't know what i'm supposed to say but yeah. that was definitely the toughest thing i i i've dealt with yeah okay and uh and so in life and what about in poker have you ever had a pretty sick downswing or have you had any adversity did you go broke or were you one of those guys i saw you deposited 75 on i think your account right you kind of ran it up it's a similar story a lot of people right you put a 50 on a couple times and get going but is uh have you ever been up against it have you had any like yeah i've uh i've had some downswings and i've um faced adversity i've never let it get all the way down to the felt where I've been broke. Um, I guess there was a time playing online where I was back. Um, things were tough. I was kind of grinding it out and, um, playing live, I guess, transitioning to live. I, I think I had a stretch of like 50 or 60 tournaments, something like that, where I didn't cash. And, um, that was a tough stretch. And, uh, that was when I first started playing live and I kind of had to you said 50 so, or 60 live. Yeah, I think I had like 53 tournaments in a row or something where I didn't cash live. A 53 live tournament, no cash. That's got to be a – I mean, that's crazy. No way. I, yeah. I Honestly, I can't believe – that's that's got to be a motivational moment out there. Darren Elias, this is like some Einstein or Michael Jordan Cup from his high school team. 53, how do you even go to the – that's, that's yeah. crazy. You dropped a needle. You are going through my head and mob. You probably weren't playing much live. And I think it was like 09. No, I was playing. I was just out there losing. And And – Jeez, so I mean, what 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 would you attribute that into in terms of you said you're maybe too aggressive, doing some stuff, probably not giving it your best, not being there on time, or or doing some stuff. But was there? I mean, you must have been running that well either. Like it's hard even even to be like a total amateur or nobody's gonna you know that's hard. That's a hard record. That might be an actual record. That's not a record. I want to have that. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't I wasn't playing well in those fields. You know, I was playing this online like hyper aggressive strategy where like we're 20 off the money and I'm going broke, like three bet, five betting, ace, eight offsuit. Like that, that's something that just doesn't need to be done. But back then, back then it was good online. And like, I kind of would do it live as well. And it just wasn't good poker, you know? Okay. So yeah, there, there wasn't, there was uh there was like some 50, 100, 100, 200 blind bubble punts, stuff like that. I mean, you were really going Absolutely. Absolutely. That's funny because I like yeah. If you, you would think after like ten or twenty or thirty, you may be like, you know what, I got. I'm ten away from the money, and I have a hundred bigs. I'm gonna just sort it out. But yeah, no, I've always been pretty hard headed, so I don't. It took fifty three to kind of get the message through. Man, all right. Well, there you go. So there's that's some adversity for sure. Um, are you a teacher in U of Redlands? What do you teach there? What's I don't is that is that where you went to? That's where you went to college. Yeah, that's where I went to college, and I actually went back in March and. Uh, talk to some students like they have a they have a class it's like a seminar called poker in life so uh one of the professors is like in poker play tournaments and um i came back and uh did like a, a couple hour lesson talking to students taking questions um little strategy um so i've been a teacher at redlands once i, I love to go back and do it it was a fun experience but uh not full-time or anything Okay. So you do get back there now and again. That's, that's, that's nice. Uh, your teacher's into it. How did you start playing poker guys? You can go back and that was talked about earlier. Um, any more unique haircuts in the future? I did catch this tweet. I might have to go find it. What happened there? They did me dirty, man. I don't know. I don't have like a regular spot yet. So, um, I kind of just go in random, uh, salons here. <laughs> haircut spots and uh i didn't even look walking out of there like i guess i should have known it was like a it was like a five minute haircut it was like the fastest haircut i've ever had and uh i got home and like everyone just started laughing at me i, I didn't even know until i got home did you end up shaving it off 
yeah, I had to go back somewhere else the next day and get it fixed. That's that that is a crazy thing, man. That guy should be shut down. There should be a license. That's that's not even like that. I could like I don't cut hair. I could sort. I mean, same like that's like that's like intentional, man. That was definitely. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, I didn't even look. I like gave the gave the lady a nice tip, and I was nice. I didn't even look. But you know, she was nice. She just didn't have it right. Like she's like a one. Yeah. It wasn't it like, probably, you don't think she like she like knocked out her son from a tournament or something, and she. No, I don't think it was intentional. Or I'd like to think it was. Okay. Um, so you have Redlands. People are asking about that. Do you play cash games still? Yeah, I play a lot of live cash games. Probably more than people think. Um, I play a lot of that DC MGM National Harbor. Uh, I played there last couple of years. Probably will play a little more Borgata. I played a lot of Borgata when I was younger, like 10 a quarter, 25, 50, no limit, those types of games. Um, action kind of shifted to PLO in recent years, and I think now the no limit games are coming back a little bit. So uh might find me in Borgata on the weekends playing, uh, playing a big no limit game. All right. And uh, favorite place to play? What's the, what's the favorite stop everywhere? Um, I really like the Aria. I like playing there. Um, Borgata, too. Um just always had success there. Kind of grew up playing there. Won my first title there. Um, Borgata has been good to me. And, or Aria met my wife at Borgata too. So that's tell us about that. How? What? Where? Um, just there. I was there playing a tournament and um, met her in a bar when I was 22, and uh, just happened. Damn. Met my wife at Lansing. Darren Elias, the end game. Close got good close game, and now he's got a baby. There he is. Um, favorite casino game other than poker. Craps. I mean, I, I don't gamble much anymore, but when I did gamble crap, I had a good time playing craps. Do you like six-handed poker? Do you think it has a future? Is it here to stay or just a passing fad? Yeah, six-handed for sure. Um, more importantly, let's get rid of ten-handed. Like, people have been pleading for that for years. Like, um, it's awful. It's not how the game should be played. Um, and people are starting to speak with their money, which is what matters. Like, casinos are always going to put on these ten-handed tournaments to fit in more tables and save money. But if we stop playing them, I mean – they're going to stop doing it. They're going to have to make it nine handed. Like you see it at the series when people, everyone goes to the wind to play these one K's cause it's eight handed and it's nice and it's relaxed. Like that's what people care about. Like they want to be comfortable and have a good experience more than, um, grind out every dollar. I, I um, yeah, it's the party stuff too. They've been doing eight handed for the main. It's eight handed seems perfect. Nine handed is fine. I mean, I, it seems to be going that way. Honestly, I think seven handed would be kind of fun because there's uh, no one's really done it, and it's like it's sort of like a nice compromise. Seven eight handed, um, mm-hmm. it's cool. Eight handed is probably plenty good, right? That's almost like yeah. I think for main events, um, like nine handed the first day is fine. Then eight handed deeper, and I think most events are kind of shifting to that. Um, Six handed tournaments are great, but it's kind of a different beast. It's a, it's a different game than, than nine-handed. All right. I see another question here about favorite poker game momentarily besides Hold'em, Deuce to Seven. That's the one? For sure, Deuce to Seven, low ball. Um, we need more people to play it, but uh, it's the best game out there. Should there be a Night of Champions tournament from WSOP and WPT at the end of the year? Should there be a night? I don't know. I guess they're saying a combination of, of uh, the WPT and WSOP champion. I don't know. That, that sure. Never- I mean, there's not many, like, cr- there's not much crossover, I guess, in the uh, – I mean, I like the Tournament of Champions. We're talking about WPT. I think that's a fun event. That's a good event. Um, everyone knows each other. A lot of added value. Um, that's fun. But usually they don't mix the WSOP. To- right. Um, someone asked, what is better than victory? I don't know if I understand the question. Is there, is there anything you, uh, I guess, enjoy more than 
you know, winning that, that those, those moments, winning tournaments are so far few in between. I guess people have to understand too, playing tournament poker for a living to, to actually win. It's so insane. Like it's hard. There's like, it's, it's crazy. Like uh, the difference in getting second or third, like emotionally versus winning, like uh, it, it's, it's out of control. Like you can, you can win a million dollars, get second place. And you're still like a little disappointed, you know, that you didn't get the title or the trophy. Um, victory, victory is great, man. I mean, I, I love to win. I, I hate even more to lose, though. I, I really hate losing, um, especially if it's something that something that was my fault. Like that, that's uh, that's even worse than than winning is good, you know. For sure. Uh, how many live tourney series do you aim for per year? I think you said fifty events you play roughly. Yeah, I, I checked my numbers. Like the last three or four years, I played almost exactly fifty or fifty-five tournaments. And um, with the WPT, usually you don't get many tournaments per stop. Like. I kind of like that. I don't, I don't like being in the same place two weeks and playing 15 events. Like I don't, I don't really like that. So I'll go, I'll go to a stop, play the main event. Maybe they have a high roll or two tournaments a week. Um, get back home, rest for a week or two, then go out and play another one. That's kind of the schedule I'm most comfortable with and uh, do well in. Um, that's, yeah, it's, a, it's nice. They, they throw in like a 25 K now, right? Or it's like a 10 K or side. Yeah. They usually have one or two or a couple. Yeah, if you can get a 25K high roller in a main event, like, I'm happy with that on there. Right. Uh, what age did you learn to play poker? Well, I mean, I used to play five-card draw with my grandma when I was, like, eight. Real real young, we used to play five-card draw, and um, I don't know if that counts. I, I, I didn't play I didn't play Hold'em until Moneymaker, so, like, 16, I guess. But we, I played a lot of cards growing up, and um, we played some poker, mostly, mostly heads-up. I play heads-up five-card draw with my grandma, which was pretty savage that's awesome she was she was tough she's tough man she had the stamp pat bluff you know she'd stamp that bluff an eight-year-old which is pretty pretty strong man no wonder well that's, look what she did she, she's uh trained a champion and now yeah. you are um someone asks how have you been able to be so good for so long at tournaments you're crazy good so yeah what, what's your what's give us the full recipe what's what's like the what's the thing you think that you're doing um Without giving away a special secret, do you feel that at the table, you touched on it earlier, that you just really feel you have a good idea of how people are playing Rex play and how to combat the different strategies? Uh, you just pay attention to a lot of information now. You're, you're really in tune. Is that is the focus and, and awareness at the table one of the, one of your biggest strengths, would you say? I'd say so, yeah. Um, being observant, making uh, adapting to what people are doing. But you also have to have a good, like, fundamental understanding of the game. You have to be playing the right ranges from the right positions. And I developed a lot of that stuff playing online where um, I was fundamentally sound. I mean, you get a lot of these good field players do, who are observant and do make exploitative plays, but they can't really win at high stakes because their fundamentals are so bad. Um, there's a lot of guys like that out there, especially in America, where they're good psychologically. They have good um, reads on players, but they're over too four suited under the gun and they just, they can't over overcome that, you know? Um, so you, you kind of have to be fundamentally, you have to be fundamentally good. You have to bring consistent effort, like consistent quality play and um, pay attention and, and, and observe people. I'm not here. I'm not trying to, pull up specific people or names or whatever, not looking to stir the pots, but just like curiosity, someone like a chance Corneth or Charlie Carell who pride themselves on live reads. They say they're the best in the game at this. Do you, 
do you echo those? Do you, do you feel stuff like that's fair? I mean, even if they're not necessarily the best or not, do you, are there certain guys that you just feel are very tough that like they're, they're able to do things live very well? Maybe even, you know, they're online, not so good, but like they impress you live. Is there some of those guys that have some ability? Is there any guys in particular that you think you battle with maybe frequently? I mean, obviously Anthony Zeno, I think he's won three as well, three titles. World Poker Tour is pretty deep a lot. Seems to have that also sort of known as the WPT guy. Are there any, any guys like that in particular that you feel you're really impressed with? Um, I guess with the live read stuff, I think it's a little overhyped. Um, at the highest level, I, I don't think um, in the 100Ks and the 250Ks, the pros, I really I don't think they're giving away very much. So, like, I think a lot of that stuff is like smoke and mirrors. Um, when you're playing against recreational players, like lower stakes, for sure, there's a lot of information out there. Um, tells and stuff versus, versus guys who don't play very often are there. But um, at the highest level, pro versus pro, I think there's less of it than uh, than those guys would want you to think. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of respect for the guys who have been around, like that I came up with, that are still there, still playing high stakes. Like uh, you had Bren on, I, I think it's it's amazing he's still there. He's he's still playing great. He's still on top of the game. Um, guys like him, David Peters, I came up playing with Nick Petrangelo. Um, I, I have a lot of respect for the guys who've been around. 10 years plus and are still playing high stakes for sure. Favorite book. Um, wow. Um, could be a journal inch uh, article, anything stuff you read or information. Do you have anything that you, I mean, I read a lot of, uh, like nerdy, like fantasy novels. So I've, I've been in the name of the wind series lately. I think it's pretty good. I'm waiting for the third book. So check that out. Interesting. I haven't heard of that one. That's uh, that's one to, to take a look at. How to manage tilt when you're doing a direct decision, bad outcome when doing a or yeah, just in general. Like, but there's times you feel yourself get frustrated. Um, you know, poker it happens, right? People get upset, not necessarily tilt, but you get get a little irked, or someone gets lucky on you, or they outplay you, or you make a mistake, mm-hmm. or whatever. How how do you deal with that? I mean, you just got to tell yourself it can't be too easy. Like, you're not just going to win every time you have the best hand, and um, sometimes your mind fixates when when you lose, but then you don't really remember all the times you had the worst of it and you won. So, I mean, you're not just going to win every time you have the best hand. You're going to take two adders and you just have to recalibrate, like look at what you have left. Don't think about what you have in comparison to what you used to have. It's just a new situation. Like you had a hundred blinds. Now you have 20, you're still in the tournament. You have 20 blinds. Like to, to, a lot of people get um, hung up on that where they lose a big pot and they're like, Oh, I have to get back to where I was. I'm stuck. Yeah. yeah. If you had 10 blinds and now you're 20, you have a totally different outlook. So it, it shouldn't work like that. You need to just um, isolate your scenario and make the best play you can. Yep. That's uh, for sure. I think it's easier said than done, but that's, I think that's some of the, the best players are people that go deep and ha- and squeeze the most out of their, their opportunities are able to shift that mindset. Most important moment in your career. So what we talked about the win, the Borgata, is that, the most important moment, but maybe even before that, or was there a moment like maybe you were, wouldn't have played poker if you didn't have a score live or you hit that 195K score? Is there any, anything that stood out to you, an important hand or results that really kind of uh, you think that maybe shaped your trajectory to where you are now? I mean, if it wasn't Borgata, I mean, Borgata was a huge moment. I don't know if it like enabled me to play much more. Maybe um, like my first online score, I think I won the 11 rebuy freshman year of college for like, 15,000. And, um, I probably had like 50 bucks in my checking account. So, so that kind of like that yeah. enabled me to play, um, play bigger and play more online tournaments that if I don't win that, maybe my career gets delayed a little more or something. 
yeah, that, that, that type of thing. That's what I'm talking about. Where it was like a jolt or maybe you're up against it or just like, you know, like, yeah, if you don't have that, maybe it's all different. Who knows that that's the situation. That sounds pretty, pretty significant. Yeah. That was huge at the time. I remember I was in my dorm playing, um, 11 rebuy, the fire alarm went off and, um, I'm at the final table and I'm like hiding under my desk with the door locked, trying to close out the 11 rebuy and, uh, got it done. Oh, so they, they weren't, they, so they wouldn't kick you out. Like they're coming to check. Yeah. They go out. checking room to room to make sure there's nobody in there. And they're like banging on the door, but I was just playing. Yeah, it's man, you, get, you can't get a kid out. You're not getting you out of there. It's like the, it's like the uh, main event this year at the earthquake. Like some things. you. Yeah. Out. that was crazy. Were you in the room? Were you playing that day? Yeah. I was playing and um, there was a hand going on at our table and our dealer was like crying. She was like really scared because we we're underneath the like metal scaffolding or whatever. And it was swaying back and forth. And she was like, she was losing it. Um, so it, it was, it was pretty intense. What, which guy were you? Did you run out of the door? Did you stay at the table? Did you go under the table? What was your play? I was just sitting there and I'm like, if this is how I go, I go like a metal scaffolding from the Rio hits me in the head. And then like, this, this is going to happen. You did. So you didn't give it a, just at least a duck under the table. You just kind of, yeah. Oh, you were ready. Yeah. You were ready. You were ready. You were ready. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. I, I did dart out of the room. I didn't know what was going on. Apparently you're supposed to sit, go under the table is the safest thing. Makes sense, right? If stuff's going to fall. I guess. I heard Frankenberger ran out in the middle of my hand. Oh, yeah. He, oh, no. His, yeah, his is a really bad story. I think he, he – they looked at his cards, too, and it would have been set over set where he had the better yeah. bet. Like something. He ran out. Just, just, just tough. Yeah, my, my buddy Begley was in a hand on the turn with top pair, and he said he wasn't mov- – yeah, he was not going – he wasn't getting out anywhere. You know you know Tim, I think, Tim Begley. Yeah. yeah, so it's all – yeah, it's a, it's, it's, a, it's a moment for sure. It doesn't happen often you're in an earthquake in the main event. Uh, but, yeah, that was uh, – I remember that. Uh, favorite poker moment? Um, like of myself? Uh, just as the question is, what's your favorite poker moment? So, yeah, any moment that stands out. Like you look back, you tell your daughter – like my favorite thing playing poker. Um, probably winning Borgata, I guess, with family and friends there. That that was cool. Um, I, I like that. I'd love if, if she was able to watch one day. I mean, they don't really have a kid at those final tables, but I'd love to be able to win one with her there. That that'd be amazing. So all right, so you're gonna be you're gonna be back for be back uh, playing for at least a while until she can she can see that. If you so she's eighteen, I guess. Give us your best dad story. Best dad story. Wow. Um on the spot uh she had me she got all this like frozen gear she's big into frozen um so she's got all these elsa outfits so she uh when your two-year-old wants to like put you in a dress and give you a ponytail and take pictures of it, you kind of you have to go with it so the other day she had me in full elsa gear with the gloves the necklace and um yeah sometimes i I think like when i'm playing like high stakes poker like if only these people could see me like yesterday wow yeah (laughs) i'll I'll tell you what next time we're at a table that's what i'm gonna envision you dressed up as a as an elf uh the hokey pokey in swim class with a two-year-old yes that that picture doesn't that's not good you don't want to put that out there i appreciate you sharing that but that's not the image you want people to think of when they play you um that's awesome no favorite casino we already talked about that you craps but you don't really play table games which is good um let's see here favorite moment hpt if you had free okay so who is your oh yeah all right this is interesting biggest rival in poker do you have a rival are there people i don't it's like kind of a tough thing even if there's guys you think are tough or you don't you don't necessarily want to say you think yeah. they're really good but is there anyone that you've kind of just held over you because I, I mean there's a few guys you're actually on the list of uh, you beat me in some 
pots or annoying spots that I can think of. Like you're not on my top three of guys that I just like, just, I can't believe that they're able to do the things that happened at the table to me, but you're up mm-hmm. there. Is there anyone that's like kind of big spots or multiple times you've run into in coolers or just situations ever that you feel is um, you for whatever reason, not necessarily. Their- I don't know if I have a rival. Um, I guess I like, I like playing against guys who like, think they're the best player in the world like that the highest stakes guys who are like in their head they're number one and i mean that's that's fun to play against whenever you play against these guys like um fox and uh steven chidwick nick these kind of guys were like they're they're actually there at the elite and they believe it um that that's fun to play against for me like i don't know if that's nice arrival but um guys like that the kid um the american kid ali he's uh he's been i played with him a lot last couple years he's a tough opponent um has gotten the best of me so far um, so also, I, I guess, uh, one of those guys. <laughs> right. And, and do you think, are those at the, some of those guys too, is it, do you believe, I mean, in terms of the best in the world, old school, new school, like the mixture, I mean, what, what's you, do you think, what do you look at as yourself when you're at your best or what do you kind of, what would be your perfect poker player? Like the kind of blend, like what things do you think? Is it more, you know, is it a mixture of the studying? Is is it, like what technically if you were to put together the perfect poker player, like what, what does that look like to you? Like give me some attributes that you think are maybe just overall for like a poker player. I mean, it looks nowadays, it looks like, um, it looks like the guys you see winning, winning these high roller events. So it's like natural, um, naturally good intuitive poker players who have also put in a lot of time and studied and know the spots have played with the solver, have figured out how to randomize and play, some spots like a computer would, but they're also very good live. They're also very intuitive. And I think that's, that's what you see in a lot of these top guys. Um, Stevie, um, Nick, the green Greenwood, um, those guys, I think, um, Bryn, I don't. Are you there? Did we lose you? looks like a cut. Sorry. You there? Yeah. You there? Yeah. Yeah. I'd say most of the top players nowadays, both have this intuitive, um, like gift and they also work hard and study. So it's kind of you need you need both nowadays, right? Um, do you still play a lot more now, or are you a recreational player and play not as much due to family? Like, would you say your volume has dropped? It has dropped since family for sure, but like, is it uh, is is it significantly dropped? Or? No, I would I would say it's not significant. And even before I had um a daughter, I kind of cut out a lot of the international trips to Europe and stuff. I, I don't I don't play a ton internationally anymore, besides Canada and the Bahamas. So. Um, no, I'm still here. I'm still out here playing. What is your favorite sport and or video game? I guess sport, we, we, we used to play water polo, but what, what do you enjoy? Like, do you play with friends? Do you like basketball? Any, any sports you like to mess around with? Um, I don't play it. I like racket sports like tennis, um, racquetball, ping pong. I've been getting into golf a little bit lately. I'm awful, but I'm trying to learn. Um, so I might put some time in. All right. You're cutting out a bit. Is it, is that uh did you, you cut out there a second, but I heard, I think I heard you say golf. Yeah. Um, okay. Uh, the thoughts on Pluribus um, that we've talked about that as well, guys. So this is already answered, but what did you think of the, the choice of the participants for the experiment? I don't know who else, what, what other pros did they bring in there? I, I don't remember. They picked kind of like a mixed bag of guys where they had some of the top six max um, players. They had like the Linus love and, um, I think they got Tony Gregg, Nick Petrangelo, Seth Davies. They had some elite players, but then they also threw in some guys that like online six max is not their forte. I mean, I'm one of those guys. Chris Ferguson was in there. Um, so they were pretty, 
cagey about it where I think they didn't pick the hardest lineup possible, but they did pick some of the best players in the world and threw them in with some players that that's not their best format and then average the numbers together. So it's interesting. Okay. Um, so this is uh, in terms of goal setting and with different milestones, it says Shane Stevens asked with every success, do you think it was important to readjust and reevaluate goals? Do you look at it like a poker tournament where every hand, you know, you got to readjust like now, okay, I won 800 K. Now I did this. Now I busted hundred K. Do you, do you, do you sort of keep a, uh, a general game plan or do you kind of do, are you literally always adjusting based on your role and what's going on? Or do you just sort of, uh, do you just sort of keep things steady or do you make big changes? I mean, I imagine now you're pretty secure, you know, winning or losing, you know, there, there's different inflection points, but does your day-to-day change based on a year, like in what terms of volume you're playing or buy-ins or not really? No, like any one tournament, any score isn't really going to change too much in my life at this point. So I'm, I'm pretty steady, even keel on that stuff. Um, so I, I don't, nothing day-to-day is going to really shake me big win, big loss. So uh, I just try to, Take, do do the best I can with uh, every decision. Uh, we got a we got a question live here on the YouTube chat um, asking top five tourney player list. Uh, to give us a, could you rattle off a couple names? You kind of did you rattle some. Yeah, I guess uh, those guys: uh, Stevie, Sam Greenwood. Um, I, I put Nick in there. Um, yes, Ali. I think I think Ali is very good. Uh, he's young but well studied, strong player. Um, who else could I throw in that? Did I say Tim Tim Adams. I think he's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seems to really have uh, kind of emerged. He's always one of those guys that's been he, his five ten six max graph was the sickest thing I ever seen. And then yeah. uh, he just seems to be killing the high rollers now, and, and really made some adjustments as well and being merged there. Uh, how many beers can you drink in an hour? Bill Bill Mar- Mannion asked. You know um, that's funny. Probably uh, I'd say like thirteen or fourteen. I guess maybe if, if there was a yeah, no Bill. Yeah, we actually did that. We we tried to do that, and uh, that was the number. I did that with him. There it is. It did. It seemed like I, I had a feeling you knew this guy. I saw that question pop up. I'm like, okay. Um, Shout out to Bill. Biggest the biggest difference between cash and multi table tournaments? Um, probably like the importance of pre flop play in tournaments where you have to play the right ranges, especially as you get short. Um, cash games are more deep. It's more of a post flop game. Um where you can kind of get away with playing fundamentally unsound in some cash games, especially live, especially deep Um, tournaments. Like you can't be making bad calls with 30 big blinds. You're going to get eaten alive. When did you realize you could be a pro? When was this poker was your path? Like, did you have a moment where you said, you know what? Cause kind of through college you're playing and then you get out of college. Did you ever consider a job? Was there a time where you're like, Oh, you just knew this poker was for you. It was before I graduated college, I'd say probably like junior year of college, maybe. Um, Basically, when I was starting to make like six figures online, that's kind of when I I realized like I was I was in these hard classes. I was studying physics and I wanted to work for NASA. I was like in these super hard physics classes and um, playing online poker at night. And I hit I did I did well when online was, was was softer and won a lot of money online. And I, I was kind of looking at, oh, I could, I could finish this tough degree, work at NASA and make 80 grand a year. Um, but I just made 200 this semester. Like, which would I rather do? And it seemed like a pretty easy decision. I meant to, I did have that. Those are my notes my dad does for a guest, which is cool. He sends me sort of outline. I saw that you studied, you were, you did an internship or you were trying, you were going to work at NASA. That was sort of. Yeah, it was actually the first summer I turned 21. It's kind of like a life inflection point, I guess. I had a, 
internship to work at a, like an observatory in Hawaii, like Mauna Kea, I think it was called. And um, it was either that or play my first World Series when I was 21. And uh, I chose to play the World Series. That's crazy. NASA, that's a strong, that's a strong brand. NASA's like, a, yeah, you know, MIT kind of thing. It's a, it's a very exclusive club side, very high tech, high, high intelligence uh, quota there. So that's, that's nice to be, you had that as a, as an option. That's a, that's cool. Uh, Kitty, Kitty Koo Thomas, I, she's really funny. And she asked my question, why he can't let me win WPT Aria, um, uh, and then there's a picture of this. Is, what year is this? You in 2010? Yeah, I think that's me. Uh, me in London, 2010. Yeah, long hair, chin strap, hookah shells. Yeah, that was that was back in the day. That was the call the look in college, man. Was, You're going for it. What uh, is this? A, do you is this you and Sublime? Uh, Joseph Chung, are you friends? Or is this a joke? Inside joke? Or is this random? Like, did you? Was there like a thing about? Uh, you guys were supposed to swap or you didn't get a piece randomly. Is there, is there something to that or is that just random, man? We're cutting here a bunch. You there? Sorry. Yeah. You got off a sec, but yeah. Was there anything to that? Do you know this person? Are they, no. are they trolling or is this just random statement? I, I, last I saw was the puka shells. Yeah. I don't know that guy, but honestly, Someone said, cause Sabine didn't give him a piece of his 2010 main event runs. That's just a random comment. Or was there like something um, swap I mean, that's that unrelated to? to the picture, but, um, I was backing, I was backing, I was buying pieces of, uh, Joe Chung that whole summer when he, um, like every event up until the main event, I had a, a decent piece of, and then for the main event, he wouldn't let me buy it. And then he got third for 4.2 million. Wait. So what the heck? Why? Uh, what? What's the story on that? That seems kind of wild. Mean, he was on. He was on a heater and um, hit, hit a couple scores. And I was buying an event by event. Like oh, I'll take ten percent, ten percent. And for the main event, like no, nah, I'm gonna keep it. Like I'm feeling it. And then went four million. Wow. You're a nice guy. I, I would, I would, that's, that's, uh, that's pretty crazy. That's, that's, that's a little run bad. You know, that's definitely annoying. Um, let me go back here and we are cutting again a bit. So guys, let's, if, uh, this is my, it's, it's my fault. It's my internet. Here. The internet. We'll, uh, let's see. I think, uh, I think we will do a couple more and then we got a 55 ticket to give away. Let me just scroll through here is there anything else uh anything in terms of if people want to meet you live like are they are you a guy you like to stop talk do, you, do people come up to you do you get that a lot sort of at home or in vegas do people come by and and are you yeah. autographs or just want people want to talk a hand like what what's do you get a lot of people stopping you um yeah i, I don't i don't mind uh, doing pictures autographs whatever I, I get them um a lot of borgata wpt east coast stuff um yeah i don't, I don't mind doing that feel free. feel free okay um let's see what do you think uh how old are you that's what we're saying you're 32 right yeah 32 33 in november i believe i saw that and i think we we've really man there's so many this is it's been a lot of questions covered here and i think uh we'll see what what about the this new hard rock guitar are you excited about that they're gonna have some huge guarantees that's a great stop and that's gonna be pretty wild i think november uh october 24th open the end of that there's a series of 25k there plus the wpt that should be pretty pretty sweet yeah um, i go down there anyway now for a couple times a year for the seminal stops i think it's great um good series every time good good schedule um and that hotel looks sick i mean i think uh it's going to be one of the best stops they're having the super bowl in there in miami like uh, i think 
I heard the NFL is like staying there and stuff. So it, it's going to be pretty sick down there. It's a $1.5 billion hotel. I just saw the mock-ups for it. I'm going to be there the opening day. It's, um, it's wow. 24th. It's going to be, it's going to be special. I think honestly, the, the guarantees and the things they can do there. I mean, I think they could do some 20 million type stuff. Like not, they, it, it was 450 rooms. They're adding 900. So wow. like, that's going to be, you know, they'll have almost 1400 rooms on property. It's already sold out that weekend. And yeah, I think Tony, you know, uh, Tony Burns and these guys, they, they really, they, they got their stuff together. They're ready and, and they're, uh, they're equipped for some cool stuff. So that should be, that should be fun. That's my backyard. You got to come down bring the family, hang out. You got to meet the babies can hang out and, uh, yeah, man, we appreciate it. Let's do, we're going to do one giveaway here. Uh, I'm going to let you choose when, let me just grab this thing. You're going to get a, $55 ticket courtesy of Darren and party poker. We're going to do this quickly. And you Let's tell me money. what's that. Let's give away some money, yeah, man. 55. It's not, nothing wrong with that. Uh, the internet here is all right. We got it. We're good. We're, we're going to pick a winner. I'm going to drop it in. You tell me when to do it. Someone's going to win it. You just tell me when. Well, I just say when that's it. Yeah. When boom, someone's got a 55 ticket. It is sexy. Hugh. Sexy Hugh, go ahead. 55 ticket. We're going to go ahead and give uh, give you that. I think you've won one before. Um, and Darren, I think that is going to be it. So I will see you, I guess, on the, the next stop for you. Give us the next, this next month or two coming up. Well, I think I'm going to London on uh, the 10th. I'm probably okay. going to play the last couple high roller events there. Then I'll be back East Coast, uh, WPT Borgata, Maryland, uh, Jacksonville. You'll hit that. You'll hit the pretty much the WPT. It's sort of East coast. Those, those stops come up. I actually, actually never been to WPT Maryland. I had moved out of there before. Uh, those field sizes are reasonable too, right? It's like two, three, 400 or 500. Yeah, we probably get 400. Um, they got a new hotel, the casino. Um, yeah, you, it's like your stomping ground. You've got to get back yeah. over here. And I, haven't, I have not been to the WPT there, so that would be cool. Borgata, I know, is coming up as well. So you you basically go to London and then right to the Borgata? Yeah, pretty much. I think it's really close, so it'll, it'll depend how the uh, super high roller bowl goes. Nice. Well, listen, if you want to post stakings, man, let's, uh, let's chat. I would love to – I want a piece, so I want to be you – know, I want to get on there. Let's, uh, let's see if okay. we can make it happen. We'll see. All right, Darren Elias, everyone, thanks so much, man. We'll see you very soon. One of the great guys in poker, one of the all-time, well, the number one WPT tournament title guy. He's got a lot of records, and he's got a lot more poker to play. Darren, thanks again. We'll see you soon, man. Appreciate the time. Thank you. See you. Darren Elias, everyone, check him out on his socials, Old Money D on Instagram, and then, of course, at Darren Elias there, him with Doyle. Clean shot, rocking it, just just playing with the boss. So we'll see Darren soon, and keep an eye on him, guys. Give him a follow, and uh, you will not be disappointed. So thanks, Darren. Thanks for listening to this episode. It was brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.